KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne. Your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio produced by the Radio Television Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight on the show, we are so privileged to have finally convinced our beloved professor of music and university organist, Dr. Sharon Gorman, to come on the show with us. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Gorman. Thank you for having me. It's something we've been working on all semester. (laughs) We talk about you constantly. Hmm. Uh, Only good things, only good things. things. I I talk about you constantly, too. I'm, I'm waiting for the only good things, only good things. Of course, only good things. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Well, that is until we're out of tune. Yes. <laughs> oh. So, again, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. Now, we're just getting done with Chamber Singers concert season, and we're getting ready to look forward to commencement and next fall's lineup of what what should I call this, Kathleen? The the fall repertoire. Yeah, that yeah. word. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished off a Red Bull, so I'm there yeah. with you. Long semester. <laughs> I have gone without coffee all day. You've like, you've gone without I've coffee gone without all day. Coffee all day. Yeah, yeah, you probably shouldn't even be here if you haven't <laughs> had coffee. <laughs> Don't you have a sick day or something? <laughs> <laughs> Does that count as sick if you don't get coffee? <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling faint. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, and we're getting ready for our fall repertoire. Dr. Gorman, would you like to enlighten the folks out there of what we might can expect coming into next season? Okay. Well, of course, the main events for the fall season are the, Hallow- the um, All Hallows Eve concert and Lessons and Carols. So I'm thinking about the. Halloween time repertoire, and I think next year we're probably going to do a good selection from Phantom of the Opera. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yes, which will be great fun. And because the new Star Wars movie is coming out um, in December, it seems a good year to do Star Wars music. So probably the choir will be singing Duel of the Fates, and I'll pull together some of the other music as well. And... um, that, that should be great fun. Also thinking maybe about some mad scientist music. We're working <laughs> on that. And for Christmas, haven't chosen the repertoire yet for Lessons and Carols, but I am planning on having the choir learn some secular music this time around so we can do some caroling and bring some stuff around to um, nursing homes and things like that. That so. would be great. Mm-hmm. That does sound like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I am curious. Next year is the election year, right? Oh, Yes. So are we bringing back the election puns to the Halloween concert? Well, it seems like we should have a superhero come. It does. It does. We should run a superhero for president during the concert, which we've done traditionally. <laughs> um, we've had Batman run for president oh. and Superman. Yeah. I think I would <laughs> I think I wouldn't vote for either of them cuz I don't really think they're they're the working man's mm. candidate candidate i think that i would definitely vote for uh spider-man spider-man because spider-man okay. he's he's just your everyday joe he's just he knows yeah. the the problems i need a guy yeah but the music for superman's better <laughs> yeah that's so true <laughs> and nobody's even throwing in green lantern because that uh, that right, movie yeah, was just you know ugh. you're not a legitimate superhero if you don't have really good music yeah you know so, i'm not sure if he's technically a superhero by superhero standards, but I'm kind of an Iron Man guy. Iron I mean, Man's a superhero. You know, mm. can he really though? He's just rich. 
Like yeah, Batman well, so and he has Batman. <laughs> he has really nice toys. Batman and Iron Man are both just really wealthy men. Um with really expensive toys. But they're also yeah. really wealthy men who do really good things. Right. So we we'll call them superheroes. You know, sometimes I almost wonder if the Tony Stark thing just isn't self serving. Well, that's that's Tony Stark's thing. Tony yeah. Stark is is self serving. That's that's his whole gimmick. Um <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> anyway, the, the concerts. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yes, we'll have to have a superhero guest of some sort. Ah, definitely to be announced. And, you know, sometimes Darth Vader comes to concerts. So, oh, that, that might happen this year. Maybe a stormtrooper oh, yeah. or two yeah. an escort. Might be. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> awesome. I don't know. I was pretty scared this year with the Dementor attack. <laughs> oh, I don't oh, know if man. I can handle an Imperial visit. Speaking of uh, <laughs> last year. Slash, I guess this year. What yeah. What were some of your your favorite pieces this year? Hmm. If you want me to narrow it down, we can say what were your, some of your favorite pieces from the fall semester. From the fall semester. Jeez, I didn't do any music I didn't like. So, <laughs> well, I would hope not. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, particularly in programming for a choir, you'll choose music that's good music, that's good for them, you know, in terms of developing technique, but isn't necessarily your favorite stuff. But I feel like this year, everything that we've done, <laughs> I have really loved this music. So it would be really hard for me to choose. I really loved the Omagnum Mysterium oh, that we did. Everyone's favorite time. Yes. Um, but I liked all of the all of the Christmas music and the Halloween music was great fun <laughs> um, this year. So um, think that this is Halloween was great fun to do. I remember the choir's Halloween party getting ready for the big concert. We're watching the movie, and then all of a sudden, everyone starts singing that yeah, song. Yeah, so everybody's singing the song. With their yeah. parts, yeah. Yeah. That was... That was fun. <laughs> probably the highlight of my little season right there. <laughs> Every time I hear these songs, like... You like start singing Specifically them. <laughs> from the, the Halloween concert... I'll start singing the harmony, and then anybody I'm around tells <laughs> like, me that I'm singing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not singing it wrong. You just don't know how it all is written. <laughs> I'm just harmonizing, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, musicians' problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you say you didn't do anything you didn't like this season. So has there ever been a piece that you just absolutely hated doing? With no, if I end up hating it, I drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I was, hmm. no, I can't say there's any music that I absolutely hated. There was a while when I hated Under the Sea. <laughs> there was I a think the choir was with you. long period Everybody where everyone hated did. it for a while until we got it to work. Um, I think maybe the worst rehearsal we had all year oh. was the rehearsal in Under the Sea. Oh, I remember exactly <laughs> the rehearsal you're talking about because yeah. everybody had these looks on their faces like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to sing this. <laughs> Even when we switched to a different song, we were still in a, a very yeah. not so good mood. We mm -hmm. all left with little storm clouds I above mean, our heads. Yeah, I had to leave it go for like five days before yeah. I brought it back again. <laughs> and I had to bring a drum in <laughs> next time. It made it so much fun, though. Yeah. It really did. But um, yeah, I thought that one was going to get dropped. <laughs> it, it didn't look like it was going to work. That ended up being one of our best pieces, though, when mm -hmm. we added Fernando yeah, on the drum. It worked. Um, oh. So sometimes you, you don't want to give up too soon. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> but not. But on the other hand, you don't want to waste time on something. I know we started an anthem this year, the Anthem of Dedication. Yeah. That, um. you know, we were just none of us into it. It, was, it wasn't was bad. It no, just, it wasn't. Nobody it was, really was really piece. in love with it. And after a while, I just said, for the work that it would take to polish this... Do I really want to take that time? Because it was a pretty, pretty big chunk of music. Yes. Yes. So, you know, sometimes make the wrong choice and it's better to just cut your losses and move <laughs> on to something else. Well, maybe that could be something we bring back in future years. Mm -hmm. Maybe. You never know. It was mm -hmm. still a really nice piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was really cute. I was looking through my binder the other day and I saw that and I'm like, what is this? Well, I was... <laughs> I pull it open. You were going to do the solo in oh. that. I was yeah. sick for several days. Yeah. Um, and so I missed us dropping it. <laughs> I, I had no idea we dropped it. And we didn't work on it for like three weeks. And nobody told me. I was like, man, it seems kind of bizarre that like <laughs> that... This song's really big. We, why aren't we doing it? Like we need to practice this. And then I asked someone. I think I asked Michaela. And she was like, 
Katie, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, wh- well, that would that would explain that. Uh, <laughs> guess I shouldn't get sick and miss choir. <laughs> uh, I can I can feel Attest for you there. To that, yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody's getting sick right now. Um, Everybody ha- gets sick in cycles. It's a you guys get sick more than any group of people. It's because stress <laughs> Close induces quarters sick. And stress. Yeah. yeah. If you're stressed, uh, you get sick, which mm-hmm. there are also a lot of professors right now that have been canceling a couple classes, mm-hmm. and it's because we're coming up on finals. <laughs> you, however, are basically <laughs> done. Um, basically, you know all the grading I haven't done because I've been busy rehearsing. <laughs> and now you get to do it. Now I get to do it. Sit down with a nice cup of tea and go get of one of the cats that wander around <laughs> Clarksville <laughs> and cuddle up and do some work. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like great fun. Uh, I'll take that advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's time for us to go to our first little break here. And when we come back, I think we really should dive into, Dr. Gorman, probably your early work with um, music, your education, I mean, you've been to some pretty prestigious schools in your time, and you've got quite a story to tell. Okay. I, I really I think so. that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> She's being humble. She's I can tell. If you go into her office and you see like any any of those fancy things on her walls and. <laughs> All of the pictures from her <laughs> yeah. her previous yeah. days, you'll see that she's <laughs> she's very qualified. <laughs> oh yes. Well, to take us into our first break and to give us all a little break to go into our next segment here, we've got "Be Thou My Vision," as performed by the Texas Tech Wind Symphony. Enjoy.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight on the show, we've got the university's own Walton Professor of Music and university organist, Dr. Sharon Gorman. Dr. Gorman, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. It's a privilege to have you. Thank you again for inviting me. We, Like I said, we've been trying to find ways to bribe you onto the show all semester. You promised chocolate. I did, I did. <laughs> She's holding you to that one. Yeah. She's not letting you get away with that. <laughs> How many bars is that going to be? <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Uh, it was either Chocolate's Cats or uh, New Music. Yeah. <laughs> Two of those were feasible. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know about the cats part, but definitely the music and the chocolate were definitely... I was thinking that's what wasn't yeah. feasible. Music's expensive. <laughs> oh, oh, but a cat isn't? <laughs> There's <laughs> enough strays. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So, Dr. Gorman. (laughs) Moving on, yes. (laughs) Let's talk about your musical past. What brought you to music? What brought me to music? Well, my mother thought that learning to play the piano was something that every child should do, just like every child needs to learn math or do gym, and so it was just one of those things that initially I was forced to do. And I remember she told me that I'd have to do it for three years, and if after three years... I didn't like it. I could quit. And my mom would sit with me for an hour every day, think seven-year-old, an hour a day practicing the piano. And she'd go over all my scales with me and all that sort of stuff. And at first I cried a lot. Um, (laughs) But by the end of three years, I was starting to be able to play. And it was starting to be fun. (laughs) And so I kept going and studied piano all through high school. But while I was, I guess, in seventh or eighth grade, might have been as early as sixth grade, the parish priest um, where we played services, um, the piano teacher at the, at the school would have her best pianist go over and play organ for the services in the morning. And, you know, we didn't know anything about playing an organ. We were pianists, but she'd sit us down and, you know, we'd, we'd do it. And one of the parish priests who had a good musical ear and who had a good friend who was a trained organist heard me practicing one day and said, you should have lessons. And so until he could talk the pastor into paying for it, he paid for it himself. He paid for me to have lessons with his friend, who was an Episcopal organist um, in downtown Philadelphia. And so eventually he talked the pastor into you know, using some of the funds of the church to pay for it. And in exchange, I played a couple of uh, masses every weekend. And so I got my start there, and I fell in love with organ. It was just so much fun to play. And part of it for me is being somebody who's very short. <laughs> you can make a lot of noise with this instrument. And so you know, there's a sense of power I never had before. Um, and it was something new and different. And I knew that I could not make a living as a pianist. I mean, there's so many pianists. That's yeah. just not a way you're going to make a living. But I could at that time see myself perhaps being a church organist and doing that sort of stuff. So I started there, um, took lessons all through high school. And then decided to go to school um, for my undergrad degree in organ. Um, And I went to Westminster Choir College. And while there, I developed other interests. I did get my degree in organ, but also developed um, an interest in musicology and music history. And after a master's, also a performance degree, went on to Stanford to do a PhD in musicology. And my specialty was 17th century North German keyboard music. So <laughs> that's just, how did how did so you how did that? I end up? You know, I loved absolutely loved the music of Dietrich Buxtehude, which may sound very weird to you. <laughs> yes, um, but I had been introduced to it um, when I was an undergrad. There was a, a teacher, Harold Vogel, who came over from Germany and did workshops at Westminster Choir College every year. And I loved the way he played music and was really excited about learning a whole new technique that would make that music come alive. Um, Spent a lot of time with it and just fell in love with that. And so it seemed natural to do my specialty in 17th century. Do you want to hear the name of the dissertation? That's even more impressive. I would love to. (laughs) It was called Rhetoric and Affect in the Organ Preludia of Dietrich Buxtehude. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is a mouthful. Yes, it was um, 200 pages. Oh, <laughs> holy moly. Wowza. She, she's saying 200 pages and still... <laughs> I'm just having flashbacks to my organ lessons with her, and I'm just thinking one, two, three, two, three, two, three, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fingering patterns. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually learned to play the music using the fingering patterns of the 17th century, and they don't play scales the way we do in modern, where we try to make them all connected. Yeah. They would play a note, say, you'd use your first finger and your second, and then three, four, three, four. So huh. Whatever was your dominant fingers. Yeah. How do you even figure out what your dominant fingers are? Well, actually, they're different fingering systems. I mean, different composers have written down different fingering systems, and sometimes it's the second finger that's considered dominant. You can tell by the fingering that they write into the music. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. It's um, <laughs> it's me, terrible yeah, when, you fun. First, <laughs> when you first try it. It sounds horrible, <laughs> but you know that eventually it's going to work, and you can't go back to the way it was. And so you're like in this little musician's hell for <laughs> several months until you get control of <laughs> <Until you get laughs> it. <laughs> wow. Um, but it brings the music alive because it's the fingering that those composers would have used, and so it gives it something that you wouldn't get on it. It's authentic. It makes the music sound a lot different than you'd think, too. Yeah. So that's where my interest was, in fact, in performance practice. So everything that I studied was to help me perform them better, to understand how to be more authentic with the performance. And I know it sounds like a mouthful, but (laughs) really the dissertation was about looking at his music as being rhetoric, as being musical speeches. And in the theory treatises of the time, the musicians talked about musical speech. And the preachers talked about having a certain kind of way that you would put together a speech. Um, One in which you would have sections that we called affective, that is more emotional, and those that are more rational, and that you alternate the two because in order to persuade someone, you need both emotion and reason. And if you look at Buxtehude's music, that's exactly what's happening. There are these really dramatic sections, and then it gets very rational and objective with what we call little fugues and things like that. And then it pulls back to the other. And so I actually analyzed all of his preludia (laughs) (laughs) according to the prescriptions of the time of how a speech should be put together and showed that even though he didn't write a treatise on this, his music was following the same pattern. And it affected how I played the pieces. Hmm. I think that this is just um, one of those times when... Uh, anybody who has ever said that musicians or being a musician or studying music in college is easy uh, <laughs> should take note is, is, <laughs> is proven completely and utterly wrong um, wow <laughs> that's so much I'm still on the 200 pages thing <laughs> like, that is so much stuff mm-hmm and, and you still have it, obviously. Like, it's still there in your brain, which in and of itself is impressive <laughs> to me because I feel like after 200 pages, I'd want to, like, forget about it. <laughs> I'd want to black that out. I would admit that when I go back and read the dissertation now, there's some terminology that I would have to look up again because I use the terminology from the time. And that's not necessarily what we call it in modern terms. You know, they had specific names for different kinds of cadences. And I would use the Latin names that they used. And now I pick it up. You wrote that? (laughs) What does that mean? You know, know, I'd have to think a while. Okay, okay, that's what it means. But, yeah, it was a little like writing in a foreign language, you know, when you're doing that kind of thing. And you're so into it because that's all that you're doing at the time that you don't see that. It's at a distance. You see how esoteric it is in some ways and yet what I learned from it was very practical I mean I put it to use in how I played the pieces so so what did you do after that after that um, I was a poor starving musician for a while (laughs) (laughs) I was still in California I worked mm, four or five part-time jobs Um, I had usually a church job on the weekends I taught piano lessons after school I would um, take a small clerical job part-time. I worked in the Stanford Music Department for a while as a publicity um, assistant, so I um, produced all the programs, wrote all the publicity releases and stuff like that. Um, Occasionally, I'd take another job if I'd have to, you know, take weddings, do whatever I could. Oh, my goodness. Um, No health insurance, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not allowed to get sick kind of thing. Um, So it it was tough. 
but I wanted to stay in music, and I thought, until I get that job I want, I'm going to do it. And, you know, there was no three-year-old to feed or anything, so I could do that. Yeah. And, you know, you run out of money, so, so I don't get a meal. Big deal. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I think the big question is, since you, you say, find that job for you, mm-hmm. what inevitably brought you to Ozarks? Well, I'd actually for a while given up on finding a full-time teaching job. I thought, let's just go for a full-time church. And I actually took a job in Denver that didn't work out. It just wasn't the right job for me. Uh, It was a pastor who yelled at her staff all the time, and I just said, I'll be insane if I stay here. (laughs) So I came back, and it was really tough, probably the toughest time in my life. I come back, I had maybe $600 in my checking account, and that's all the money I had. Only what would fit in the car came back. I left other stuff with friends until I could afford to ship it. And I stayed in a friend's um, condo. They had moved to Berkeley and hadn't sold their old one yet. So I stayed there. I had a futon. I think I had one set of plates, one pot, you know, (laughs) very, very minimal. Um, So it was tough. And I took for a while, for a few months, I just took whatever clerical jobs I could get. So, you know, I signed up with an agency and just worked to make some money and passed my resume around, you know, to local churches. And one of those... um, resumes actually got to a pastor in San Jose that I didn't know and he called and I got a job there and things started getting better and I thought well this seems to be a sign (laughs) that perhaps full-time church wasn't a good idea let me look again at at teaching jobs and so I started applying and I got an interview for this job actually I got an interview um, for three jobs that particular time. After going several years with no bites, suddenly, you know, this year there were three. And when I came and interviewed, it seemed like it was the job. They offered it to me before I left. Do you remember what the other two schools were? What was the other one? One was a community college in San Diego. And I'm not remembering what the other was. Some small school in Florida. I don't remember the name. But I like alligators, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't like alligators. (laughs) It seems to me that when I interviewed, there was was a music building, and then there was this walkway that went over a a man-made lake to the chapel. And as they were walking me over to the chapel to see, you know, that part— I saw that there was a six-foot alligator, like, sitting on the aerator at the end of the lake. And I asked about it. I said, there's an alligator there. <laughs> and they said, yes, we, dis- we voted to let it stay. We just told the students not to walk their pets around the lake. <laughs> and I think it was at that point I knew that I wasn't going to go there. Is that <laughs> when you just said, I don't the job, need to see the chapel? There. <laughs> oh, I saw the chapel, but I, yeah, no. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So can I throw my vote in on the gator? (laughs) Does it hold any weight yet? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to find out. It's an interesting experience. Um, Uh, How bizarre. (laughs) What a way to to introduce a prospective professor to the campus. Yeah, that's Um, our residential gator. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it would have been more shocking, though, to have come to Ozark's campus and see a gator. So <laughs> at least that didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it was culture shock. I mean, I moved here after living 13 years in California. So it was a big change. That is it. That's a huge. big change. And the first couple of years, I wasn't that happy. I was trying to, to find my place. I thought at first, maybe I'd made an awful mistake. But it was also an era where things were not, it was the end of a pretty bad era, I think, when morale wasn't that great. Um, The nieces hadn't come yet, so, you know, there wasn't much optimism um, around the campus. And, you know, I wouldn't have quit after one year anyway. You kind of have to stick it out, keep it out and make sure. And so by about the third year, I was starting to feel comfortable. Um, David Strain became the chair of the division and asked me to teach humanities. And I loved it. I just loved teaching that course. And so I got to branch out a little bit and do do some other things. And that's one of the things I love about teaching here is being able to teach a little bit outside your comfort zone, you know, to be able to teach a course not just with music but with art and literature in it, um, 
to teach film music classes instead of music appreciation. That you know? <laughs> um, I, I had the freedom to do that, and, and I love it. I think that's what you were probably the most famous for on this campus, aside from your All Hallows' Eve concert, is yeah. your music and Harry Potter class. Oh, my um. goodness. <laughs> Coming in, that's what everyone says you have to take. How many people did I hear during registration complaining? <laughs> because they knew that if another class like that popped up, they wouldn't be able to get in because it'd be filled as soon as it was online. <laughs> yeah, it filled very fast. <laughs> uh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it was actually a great class. Um, all fanatical Harry Potter fans in there who loved the music already and thought they knew the music already, oh. but um, found that there was a whole lot more to it than they perhaps they had realized. And <laughs> I just loved it. I loved seeing the, the lights go on. I loved what it did for me. I mean, I found that opinions that I had about music going in changed by the time I finished teaching the course because you hear what students say and how they react and you start to reconsider does this music work or not? Well, okay, it works in a way I hadn't considered. Although I think we all agreed on the two worst films for music by the end. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was a really good course for me, and I love, I love teaching those. Well, we're going to take a short break again, give a little precursor into a film music course you could be teaching next year. Okay. So here it is, The Imperial March by John Williams, just to set your mind to the thought of what she could possibly teach in <laughs> film next year. Enjoy. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. 
Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturge. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And once again tonight, I have the privilege to thank our lovely university organist and Walton Professor of Music, Dr. Sharon Gorman, for being on the show with us tonight. Thank you so much again, Dr. Gorman. All right. Glad to be here. I think you've probably gotten tired of us thanking you for that one. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we just, we heard a lot about how you not only got into music, but how you ended up at Ozarks. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting twist on fate there. Mm Mm-hmm. The Gatorless School of Arkansas. <laughs> that implies that the other schools of Arkansas have gators. Only so in I hot springs. Only so in hot springs. So anybody listening uh, that's not in Arkansas, just know we do not have a lot of gators. Um, actually, I'm not sure on the gator uh, statistics. You'd be surprised, actually. <laughs> There's a lot of gators. Okay, I, I take back my statement. <laughs> Carry on, Corbin. <laughs> oh, Dr. Gorman, would you like to tell us a bit about this class you're going to be teaching in, is it the fall or the spring? Is it in the fall? Um, Music of Star Wars, which Uh. I've taught a few times before, but it's always new every time you do it. Um, We will cover all six films, and I actually do them in the order that they were created, not in the chronological order, because it makes more sense musically. Hmm. Yeah, one thing about those films is that it, I mean, it's not chronological when they were released. Right. So it's it's interesting, this style development that happens yes. with not just the music, but the film and, mm-hmm. like, just everything in general. I guess I'm a terrible person. I watched them in chronological order. You did not. Well, you can, but you would get more from it if you listened the other way. I mean, watching them in chronological order is fine, but listening to them in chronological order doesn't really work. Oh. Um, in part because... In the, in the original films, the themes are very well developed and you can hear them really well. In the prequels, those themes are there, but they're hinting and foreshadowing. And so if you don't already know the themes, it's a little hard to hear what he's getting at. Now, did John Williams do the music for all the yes, Star Wars? Yes, he, he did, did it for all of them. Oof. What that? else has John Williams done? Because I know that the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra did a, mm-hmm. basically, the, it, the entire concert wasn't john williams music but it basic it might as well have been someone needs to do their dissertation <laughs> dissertation over john williams yeah i do I'm that sure if people i have. didn't already do one yeah if, um. if you want to write a book there if you I go wanted to write another two thousand pages two thousand yeah. whoa it you started at 200 we're not doing two thousand williams i mean <laughs> well he wrote the music for jaws yes he did the first three harry potters he mm-hmm. did the original superman Memoirs of a Geisha, Schindler's List, oh, that's a E.T., um, Indiana Jones films. Yes. Um, and recently, I guess he's done The War Horse. Oh, War Horse was so good. Yeah. Can we just throw in a John Williams section to the Halloween concert? Please. I always do some John Williams. Everyone. I just want to see Raiders of the Lost Ark on I've the organ. I've done that one and worn an Indiana Jones hat. Yeah. So... Do I have the hat, so. <laughs> do tell do us, what got you started collecting hats? You have a lot of hats. <laughs> well, it was initially a practical thing. I have very fair skin, and I don't like to burn. And so when I started in California, when I started hiking, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia. You don't hike, you live in Philadelphia. I mean, I walked a lot. I was a walker. Um, you know, not one of those ones like on... Zombies? Oh, yeah, not one of those, <laughs> but like, you know, a live walker. Um <laughs> Shout out to the big show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But I I did my first hiking, like, in beautiful places, you know, going to Yosemite and even walking along the beach and things like that. So if you're going to do that in a place where the sun's pretty prominent, you need to protect yourself. So I started wearing hats. And eventually I started getting picky about having nice hats. (laughs) (laughs) And then the first time that I did a Halloween concert here – I needed sort of a hook, you know, I need, because back then it was just me and a few props and the organ, you know, choir wasn't involved yet or anything like that. So I thought hats, you know, I can wear different hats for the different kind of pieces and it'll be funny. (laughs) And 
And now I collect them just because I is. love them. <laughs> and, I, and I wear hats all the time. I must say, I loved the pirate hat at the organ. Yeah. That that one got me when I looked up and all of a sudden you're in that hat. I'm just like, wait, yeah. I didn't Where even did see the costume change. The best part is that you can go behind the organ because the organ is like taller than you way are. Way taller right. than you are. I can hide them back there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then you can like switch into them. People are like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> it was magic. Even the choir. <laughs> even the choir. <laughs> <laughs> or at least certain members. Yeah. The people in the back can see, but most of the people were, I was pretty shocked at least. Uh. <laughs> And I know that they're not always fashionable, and I don't really care what people think. Um, <laughs> so fashion <laughs> is what you make it, Dr. Yeah. Gorman. <laughs> so we're going to say that pirate hats are in this season. Oh, okay. They are. Right. They are. So <laughs> just a heads up, coming new students coming in the fall, bring your pirate's hat, <laughs> bring your Captain Hook's hook, bring oh. your long red coat. Yes. Yes, yes, and pirate yes. Pirate is in. If you have a parrot, you're technically not allowed to keep them in your dorm, but you I won't. You can keep tell. them on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? What? <laughs> what are we doing? Okay. Uh. <laughs> so, yes, I'm doing a Music of Star Wars class um, in the fall, and I like doing these specialty film music classes. So, as you know, the past fall I did the music of Harry Potter, did which you? actually had four different composers. So, didn't you do Lord of the Rings? I did Lord of the Rings, and that was one of my favorites. That's so good. Like that soundtrack is something I put on when I'm studying mm-hmm. because I like to feel like I'm on a journey. Right. To my like, See, like I me getting an A is <laughs> the equivalent of Frodo going to Mordor. I <laughs> I love the mountain song. I guess it's from actually the Hobbit's Tales. That's what that one's the from. one where all the dwarves are singing in their yes. beautiful yeah. bass voices. Oh, yeah. I Misty love Mountains. It. Yes, yes, yes. Can the choir do that? We did. Can it last we get year. a we lot of basses? All. We did it last year. Can, yeah. Can we just get all of the male <laughs> professors to come in and audition? Uh, that's all I'm it asking for. It is a beautiful for. piece. All of the music is beautiful. In fact, if I had to name, and I love John Williams, but if I had to name my absolute favorite score in terms of how well the music fits the cinematography and how good the film is, Lord of the Rings. It's really one of the best combinations ever. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. I can, I can tell you a funny story about the first time I taught Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I had a student there. I won't name his name so he's not embarrassed. He's graduated already. Math major. And, you know, a math major in a fine arts course is always a little tricky. <laughs> and I gave take-home tests where they would have to analyze video excerpts and tell me how the music is used. And I gave them some sample questions to follow, and they would, would work through that. And so, and I give them a couple of classes off to get it done. And so he came to me during my office hours, and he said, I need a quantitative way to do this test. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm sorry. There's no quantitative way to do this. Um, just be as systematic as you can, and and it'll be fine. And and he was very systematic. Um, whereas everybody else would write these essays that were kind of holistic. He would be point by point every single question in order. <laughs> but it took him 19 hours to do that first take-home test. What? Because he posted on Facebook afterwards. He said. I just spent 19 hours doing this test, and I am utterly in love with the music of the Hobbits. (laughs) So So it was worth those 19 hours. Yes, he ended up writing his final paper on the music of the Hobbits. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) But yeah, I've done, I'll be doing this summer music in the science fiction film. I've done music in fantasy, music in animation, heroes and villains. Now, I do think this is a question that um, anyone who's ever been in your movies and music classes would have for you. If you could go and live in any of these places from any of these movies that you've taught over, which film would it be and where would it be in that film? If I could live in that place? Yes. And just put yourself there. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) Just one? (laughs) We all know you want to go to Hogwarts. Yeah, I'd have to go to Hogwarts. I mean, really... (laughs) What other choice could you make? <laughs> Will John Williams be there? If it's the first three films. Awesome. <laughs> well, the first three films are the world that you would probably prefer to live yes. in. Yes, yeah. so. definitely. definitely. They're, the more, they're just the more heartwarming. When you get in the three, um, 
four through seven, it just gets they dark. They get darker. They get darker. Yeah, oh, my uh, my cold. aunt wouldn't let my baby cousin. She she's not a baby anymore. She she's a prodigy. If anything, golly, ugh, kids nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she read Harry Potter at like the age of six or whatever. Once again, prodigy. And she <laughs> got to the fourth book, and her mom was like, "You know what? I'm gonna hold off. You're like." you're just a bit too young for these themes um we need to hold off on this it does get darker though you know now that i think of it living in the shire in a hobbit house (laughs) that might be my dream that that i feel like it fits here for multiple reasons huh you think i have a hobbit house already yeah just like put some dirt over it (laughs) and there you go every time i come to your house it just feels so cozy and, and you have like a garden, yeah, and and it's so that green and happy. <laughs> the uh, environmental studies class came to your garden. Oh, the sustainable agriculture class made a field trip to my vegetable patch this morning. Made oh. me feel like a real farmer. This is an example <laughs> of the other things that Dr. Gorman does, uh, not just music, but farming, <laughs> photography, also, I believe. Mm-hmm. Photography. photography. Yes, what? I love photography. Um, I do. I do color photography with a digital camera, but I also do my own film photography with black and white. And I just really love the process, which I know it's old fashioned, but just lock the door. You're in a dark room. There's just this process that you go through. I love that it. That just, it feels comforting to me. That's a hobbity habit. Yeah. <laughs> and I play Lord of the Rings while I'm doing it. I just, of course I you just do. blast it while I'm developing my film. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like to, to throw in music in this, like there are, when it comes back to like Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings, like the first few movies have a lot more uplifting music. Mm -hmm. And then the last ones, it, it really sets the tone. Mm -hmm. You don't really get a lot of the uplifting stuff. A lot of the, I guess in, in literature, it would be like a comedic, like a comedic Mm -hmm. moment that, that breaks the tension Um, in music. It's the uplifting moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think once, once head, once Hedwig dies, uh, mm. it's 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 gone. It's game <laughs> well, over. But it comes back at the very end. Very very the end. very end because that composer um, Alexander Desplat brings back John Williams' original themes. So Harry's wondrous world comes back when he's sending his child off to Hogwarts, and that's and it's adorable. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. You know, I've heard rumor that they're going to play off of that. J.K. Rowling isn't going to write another series based off the children. I've heard stories about that, but I'm not sure how true those actually are. I think she's writing short stories, but I really hope she doesn't do a series because I'm always afraid of of good things going going too far. Yeah, it's already more or less perfect. Why should we... (laughs) Why should we make it more perfect? That's true. (laughs) It's like people making remakes of movies that don't need remakes. Exactly. But that's for another show. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big show's job. That's, yeah. <laughs> what gotten, do I know about we've that? We've gotten very big show-esque tonight. We um, did. We've delved into a lot of stuff. And I mean, I think that's reasonable considering all the stuff that you've you've dealt with. And mm-hmm. Dr. Gorman, like you, you have a lot of stuff going on in your life from doing a 200-page <laughs> dissertation that uh, could turn into a 2,000-page <laughs> book on john williams and (laughs) we've gone on harry potter and hobbit and lord of the rings and and um star wars and all this Mm -hmm. stuff there's there's just so many contrasting things in your life you've got a really well-rounded i think music music life (laughs) i think (laughs) i think your wife's your life is well-rounded enough that your work can be music and your love can be music but you can have other loves away from that work Mm -hmm. that's really give you that levelness yeah and i think we all need that i mean there are times you go through in your life when you're very very focused on your primary passion so when i was an undergrad i practiced you know three hours a day and i did all my music stuff and i lived and breathed music i did nothing else that's all i cared about but as i've gotten older i realized that that isn't enough to make me totally happy. I love so many other things. I need to go to a museum. I need to go hiking. I need to take photographs. I need to garden. These all are of those all things so are important. It, this is a, a, a moment that shows the difference between generations because mm-hmm. you said, 
I need something else. I need to go hiking, healthy things, healthy things. <laughs> and for me and Corbin, it's like, I need to go in my room and close the door, turn the lights off and watch Netflix for five hours. <laughs> or I need more coffee. <laughs> but well, I do love chocolate. <laughs> That's a healthy thing. Well, it's yeah, good for right? your heart. They said it's made from a bean, so it's like salad. It's right? Yeah, it, it's a vegetable. <laughs> chocolate byproducts are totally vegetables. Yeah, that's, that's like the calling that go with it. ketchup a vegetable. <laughs> coffee, yeah, Reagan is did that. Fr- uh, <laughs> coffee is a vegetable juice blend. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> so if yes. I say I'm going on a juice cleanse and all I drink is coffee, you are totally following the rules. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I just want to point out once again just how how well rounded your life is. Like, uh. I think that you. You are definitely a a prime role model, Uh, something to aspire to. Obviously, I'm not going to do that right now because Netflix is waiting for me. But someday when I have space for a garden and photography and stuff and music, like it's just you have a lot of very fulfilling things going on. And I I applaud you for that. Well, It's a good life. I have a good life here. Um, which is why this is like 19 years for me. And I remember that when Rich Dunsworth was inaugurated and all the old presidents came back, the president who hired me, you know, came back to the ceremony and I saw him at the reception after. And he looked at me and said, you're still here? (laughs) (laughs) I was sure you'd be gone in a year. (laughs) You know, weren't you from California? Well, so what can I say? (laughs) I I do have one final question before we have to close the show because we've only got... Four more minutes. <laughs> Why? If, I, I know. I know. It's such a shame. It's been when you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> if you could tell any incoming freshman here to Ozarks or anyone looking at Ozarks or anyone looking at field music, what advice would you give them in looking for a school, like maybe even Ozarks? What would you tell them about it to bring them here or tell them about the program? Well, I think you want a school that will help you to expand, will help you to grow, that will provide enough opportunities to do different things. I think there's a tendency to be very focused on a major, but your major isn't going to be your life. <laughs> it's, it may very well be an important part of it, but it's not going to be your whole life. And so I would encourage people to sing in a choir or be on a team or do all of these other things because those are important parts of your life too, and they matter just as much as what your major is. Hey, Ozarks, you definitely can do those. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gorman, for being on again. It's been an absolute privilege. We hope to bring you back in future seasons. Thank you very much. And you still do owe me chocolate. I do. You're right. (laughs) Well, before we let everyone go tonight, I'd just like to remind everyone that you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. Tonight, we'll be announcing the winner of our T-shirt. So just watch for our post tonight on that. Also, you can find us on Twitter at FTCH underscore KUOZ. And because radio can have a face, we're also on Instagram at KUOZ Concert Hall. And then, of course, we have email. Isn't that right, Kathleen? Yes. And that's at from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. And to play everyone out in tonight, into the night, we have Mac the Knife by Ella Fitzgerald. Enjoy, and have a great night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We'd like to do something for you now. We haven't heard a girl sing it. And since it's so popular, we'd like to try and do it for you.
Bitch, too.